Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I am your host, Katie Weber. My recent diagnosis of ADHD completely turned my world upside down, and now I'm interviewing other women who were diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and are finally feeling like, for the first time, they understand who they are and how they can best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. In this episode, I interview Tamika Allen. Tamika is the CEO of Allen Digital Group, a boutique project management agency based in Houston. They partner with business owners to help them plan and launch their online courses, memberships, and coaching programs. Tamika's youngest daughter was diagnosed with ADHD in the third grade, but it still took Tamika a few more years after that to look into getting her own diagnosis at the age of 40. Tamika loves performing, and she credits her ADHD with helping her feel superhuman on stage. Whenever she's singing or dancing or even giving a presentation, she feels like she can be this alter ego without feeling weird. Yes, I love that. Tamika never planned to be an entrepreneur, but after years in the corporate HR world, she realized she was struggling 10 times harder to excel because she was working in an environment that assumed she had a linear brain. That, plus a terrible boss, helped her launch her own business and also made her realize the importance of having compassion for others whose needs differ in the workplace. In our interview, Tamika said one of the things she really wants to change in the online world with her clients is to create content and courses that are conducive to all types of brains. I love that. I gotta say, this conversation is full of cool insights and connections about ADHD symptoms, especially in girls and women. Okay, enjoy. Hello, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, this is great. Um, Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I'm very excited to talk to you. I was doing a little bit of homework this morning, looking at your website. I absolutely love it. You've done a great job. It's such a nice mix of like clean graphics. I love the fonts. I love all the picture, adorable pictures of you and your husband. (laughs) Oh, thanks so much. (laughs) uh, I want to talk about your business, but let's get down to ADHD first. You mentioned that you were diagnosed at age 40 after your youngest daughter got a diagnosis. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. All right. So let's, um, why don't you walk me through kind of what made you think that you also had ADHD or what made you think your daughter had ADHD and, and how did that go about? How did that diagnosis go about and that lead to yours? Wow, that um, that is <laughs> that is the story I probably will take to the grave with me um, that I will never forget in me. But uh, my youngest daughter at the time, um, I would say my first instinct, and I know this probably sounds really young, that something was going on. She was probably around four years old. And I'll never forget that we were pulling into the driveway because I had two daughters. Um, at the time, we were pulling into the driveway and she was in her car seat. Um, And so I was getting her out of the car seat and I picked her up and turned around to put her on the ground. And then when I went back to like pick up a bag or something, when I turned back around, she was gone and she had darted in the middle of the street. And there were two women jogging in our neighborhood. And one woman saw, saw my daughter and signaled the other woman to stop the car that was coming. There was a car coming. And oh, wow. um, 
all this happened like within seconds. So the one woman grabbed my daughter and the other woman stopped the car. And I was just, I was frantic, right? If you've ever had that feeling with the situation with your kids. And after that incident, when I had a chance to calm down, that's when I realized I'm like, something else is going on here. Because to this day, I still don't know what it was that caused her to want to dash into the street like that. That's really interesting to me because I, my son did the same thing and he was my second. And so often I had a lot going on, carrying bags. You know, my older daughter was Mm -hmm. so perfectly well behaved. And then he came along and it was the exact same thing. Every time in a parking lot, he would just like dart out ahead of me. And I would always look at him and think like, I am amazed you are still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I never made that connection that that could be part of the impulsivity. But yes, of course, that's super intuitive of you. Yeah, just just the mother's intuition. I'm like, something else is going on here. And over time, I started to, obviously, when she started school, then it really started to kick in because my oldest daughter, you know, your kids are different people, right? Mm -hmm. But my oldest daughter... Um, sounds like like your older older child was more quiet. She had her moments of being a giggly little girl, but the temperaments were totally different. And so now I refer to my youngest daughter as the life of the party because she is. She's definitely the life of the party. And um, but I I started to notice some things um, as far as like her choices in just spontaneity and just doing things uh, spontaneously. And then also her academics is what really caused me to start digging. Um, And she was particularly kind of like me. So how old was she when you sought an actual official diagnosis? (sighs) This was years later. Like I started to just watch on things, but by the time she got to, I want to say the third grade, um, Mm-hmm. that's when I finally said, okay, something else is definitely going on here. And I just started Googling stuff, like Googling things that I was seeing her doing and attention deficit came up. And I was one of those people where I didn't think it was for real. Like, <laughs> um, because she wasn't hyper. Um, she had her moments of being hyper, but it wasn't constant. Um, but when she started to struggle in school in certain subjects is when I really started to pay attention and um, like, so when I started Googling some of the things she was doing and that kind of thing, attention deficit kept coming up. And I'm like, really? And the more I read, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, this is. <laughs> and then um, as I checked it, <laughs> so I connected with her. Um, I found a, a psychologist who did an assessment. And sure enough, it was clear as day. Um, classic symptoms, according to him, for a girl. Um, And then because of that, her school actually had their school psychologist do an educational assessment. Um, And that's when they uncovered that she had some executive functioning issues. And that all kind of connected us back to why she was struggling in math so bad. Um, Mm. And as we're going through all this with her, I started to notice, I'm like, huh, I do that too. (laughs) (laughs) Like mother, like daughter. And it particularly made me reflect back to my childhood and how almost the same thing, the hyperactivity, not as much, but, um, but definitely the struggling with math. And we were strong in the same subjects as well. She loved to read anything, social studies, history, civics, she excelled in, loved to write anything music related, but the math was definitely both of our nemesis. 
You know, I've, it's funny. I always used to say with my son, I mean, I still do. He's, he's so challenging compared to my daughter. Uh, I always say he was put on this planet to make me atone for any smug thoughts I had about being a, a good parent because of my wonderful daughter. <laughs> oh, that was funny. That was funny. Yeah, my youngest daughter, she, um, she definitely opened my eyes to some things. But there are a lot of things also, both of my daughters, but in particularly with my youngest daughter, um, that I really admire about her because as she's gotten older, obviously, because she's 16 now, um, as she's gotten older, I um, I realized that, you know, she's definitely has her superpowers are extremely clear. Um, she is definitely into, um, like I said, anything related to history, she's totally fascinated with. Um, music is something that's become, that has been something very natural for her as far as singing, writing lyrics, um, even almost kind of delving into the realm of like producing music. Like this child started uttering words to songs when she wasn't even a year old. So definitely something very, um, very natural for her. And so just being able to learn more about attention deficit and help her use her superpowers has really been helpful. Um, and of course some maturity as well, but um but yeah, that's what led. Now, the funny part is she was diagnosed in like the third grade and it still took me a few years to even pursue and look into a diagnosis for myself. And um, I think for me, it was because not, not that I didn't feel like anything was necessarily wrong, but I hadn't really opened my eyes to it until um, a couple of years ago where I was just like, you know what? I really need to check into this. I'm just curious just to see. And sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, it, it was very clear. And I started to, you know, go back on the things in my childhood that really just drove it home. And it just made sense um, as to why some of the things happened, why I reacted to the way the things that I did. Um, so just really, um, I was, you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for, her diagnosis, because it ultimately it led to mine too. Mm-hmm. And there is a feeling of sort of redemption uh, that I certainly feel with my son, who has not yet been officially diagnosed, but I'm pretty much convinced he has it. You know, mm-hmm. I, because I think back at how much I struggled, especially from middle school on, and I feel like maybe I can right the wrongs a bit through my child. I feel like we tend to feel that way as parents sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I can, things that I can remember um, once I was diagnosed and I went back to reflect on things from childhood, I remembered, um, like I said, math definitely being a struggle, but those things I was really good at, I was always good at. It came very easy for me, but I can, I'm telling my age by, um, <laughs> by telling the story, but I can remember that when I was in elementary school, it was like a reward if we did really well, we got to go to the movie room and watch a film strip. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and so I think it was maybe my second grade teacher. She was always trying to reinforce what we learned. And so when it came to like multiplication tables, for example, the only way you can get in the movie room is if you recited your multiplication tables. And my anxiety went through the roof. I am sweating bullets. <laughs> Because I want to get into the movie room and one of the first things, like I don't know how this came about or how I thought about to do this, 
But versus me looking at the flashcards she would put up, for some reason, um, for me, I had to close my eyes and she would call them out to me. And I had to visualize them in my head for, in order for me to see the answer. Then I could call it out. Um, and I never understood why I did that. But even now, um, I definitely understand that that was a part of that executive functioning issue I was having that I had no idea that I was dealing with. Yeah. Sounds like there's some stimulation, overstimulation issues too, or sensory mm. issues. Yep. Um, interesting. So you were kind of had erratic grades growing up or what, what was, what were your grades like? My grades were overall good math. I tend to be a little seasick about, and I, would beat my, <laughs> I did, I did. I would, it was a C at best a B and that was like a celebration for me. Um, and I can remember just working so hard because I wanted to make the A honor roll and I never made it because ultimately I was I had some learning issues that I didn't I wasn't aware of because of the executive functioning but um but I would beat myself up so bad because I knew I wasn't dumb but I couldn't figure out why am I not good enough why am I not making the reaching this mark and um and like like I said the diagnosis just drove it all home and, and helped it make sense for me. Mm-hmm. And so are you on medication now? I'm not. In the very beginning when I was diagnosed, I tried medication, um, Ritalin, and then there was another, uh, I think Vyvanse was another that was tried for me and a couple of other things. And it just, I couldn't find anything that really worked for me, um, that the side effects for me didn't, um, weren't worth trying to manage. And so I do much better self-managing um, now. And that comes from a lot of structure, um, a lot of structure in my day, a lot of structure in how I run my business. Um, and that's that's where that comes from. For me, it's, it's more about self-management um, and not knocking yeah. anyone who is on medication. I tried it. It just didn't work for me. Um, and so, Yeah. Yeah, I I haven't taken the medication route yet because I I do feel like I have been very good at managing and structuring over, you know, my I'm 45, so oh, my whole life has been kind of coming up with hacks to structure. Uh but I'm always fascinated at the um I, I'm asking everybody if they're on meds mostly because when they say, when women say it's working for me, I'm so curious as to what does that mean? What what does working for you mean? <laughs> Um, because I'm sort of like, you know, are there areas where I feel like I could use a boost or some help? Um, and, uh, I was on antidepressants from postpartum depression for so long and I had sort of just managed to wean myself off of them after a decade, uh, at the beginning of 2020. And then I think what a, what a terrible year to wean yourself off of antidepressants. I weaned myself off at the end of January. And, um, so I've been reluctant to go back on medication and for, for no real reason. Uh, just, you know, I'm just so curious and I feel like it's a puzzle. And so I'm always fascinated to find out there's so many of them and there's so many different uh, ways in which they help or hinder. And so I am definitely not down on them at all. Um, and just sort of trying to weigh out everything. Sure. Absolutely. That's funny you say that because I remember um, for a few years I was on an antidepressant 
because some and I realized some of the some of the symptoms of attention deficit were presenting itself like depression, and that's what my doctor put me on an antidepressant. Um, but to a degree, it still didn't solve my issue. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It still didn't solve my issue. And I I found out, I'm sure you've probably read about this too, that oftentimes this happens. Um, That's often the default that a doctor will go to um, versus looking into it may be something else that looks similar um, versus, you know, thinking this is the end all be all. Oh, absolutely. And to think, you know, growing up feeling like you're smart, but there's something wrong with you, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't quite figure it out. I mean, all of that confusion and frustration would naturally lead to a sense of depression and anxiety as an adult. So yeah, untangling that all is, is, uh, I think, a lifelong journey. Absolutely. So what are some other things from your childhood or just growing up before your diagnosis that you look back and you think, oh, yes, of course, that was ADHD and I didn't realize? Um, some emotional regulation. So mm-hmm. I was extremely sensitive as a kid and I couldn't understand why. And, I, you know, before my diagnosis, you know, while as an adult, I thought maybe it was because I'm the youngest of seven. And... Um, However, I grew up mostly by myself. So my oldest sister, my oldest sibling, is 18 years my senior. Um, So she was literally graduating from high school the year I was born. So I grew up with my nieces and nephews who were kind of, that were my age. Um, And so my oldest sister literally could be my mom. And the sibling that's right Mm -hmm. over me, who would have been the youngest had I not been born, He's 10 years my senior. So I didn't get that regular sibling interaction as kids, like you would think the sibling rivalry and growing up with each other and going to school. I didn't get that with them. Um, And so I thought maybe I was having a hard time in school on the social part because I just didn't have that experience at home. And so, you know, growing up mostly by yourself, you don't get the privilege of having, you know, to handle conflict with your siblings. So when I got to school, the least little thing that happened, I would just burst in tears. I was really sensitive. And so that was one of the first, that was one of the, one of the first things I thought about too, after the diagnosis, especially finding out that um, that's one of the side, uh, side effects that comes with attention deficit is that there can be some emotional irregulation. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's that's definitely something I look back in my childhood in terms of, you know, I I never remember being a hyperactive child, but it, I had a lot of emotional regulation issues and I was also the youngest and incredibly stubborn and moody. And I remember, you know, my kindergarten class photo, I am scowling because I had a new haircut and I didn't like it. And the story was, I told my, I announced to my mother that morning that I am not smiling in my school photo because I hate my haircut. And she said, you know, well, she figured, well, she's in kindergarten. She'll forget by the time it's actually time, you know. And then, you know, a month or two later, she gets the photos. <laughs> there I am with that scowl. Yeah. One other thing I remember is <laughs> um, I'm laughing. I'm, la- I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because I'm remembering taking school pictures and leaving the house all neat and put together. And by the time I take the picture, <laughs> I look like I've been fighting 20 people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I can definitely relate, but, um, one thing I did, 
notice was, um, like I said, I was really sensitive. And then we had the academic piece. But the other thing was, I turned into another human when I did certain things. So whenever I sang, danced, or presented anything in front of people, it was like I turned into my alter ego, which I still don't have a name for. But um, (laughs) that was something early on. My mom kept me in activities. So um, I was in dance class. I sang in the school choir um, or in the church choir. Um, Whenever I had presentations in class or anything like that, those were times where, like, just the mask came off and I just became the superhuman. Um, And I noticed that those were the things that I was good at um, growing up. So that was, those were safe spaces for me because I knew I could be, um, I could be someone special without feeling weird. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. You know, that's a great connection to make too, with the, not only the dopamine rush when you are performing, um, but almost, it would help with a lot of the executive dysfunction and and even emotional regulation to sort of have this alter ego and to almost like, you know, to split yourself into these two personalities for something like uh, performing and singing and dancing. I I wanted to ask you about that when you had said uh, in our correspondence, I love having ADHD because it's given me a superpower when I sing, dance, plan projects and speak on stage so that you feel like that also happens when you're working. It does. It does, especially when, and this is why I feel like entrepreneurship works for me because I can create those spaces without a struggle. Um, it would, except I'd never thought I would be an entrepreneur. That was never in my plan. And so I worked in corporate HR <laughs> and, um, which was cool because the social piece, I could connect with people. Um, and I could follow processes and anything like that, especially anything written, I could write processes. I could follow them to the letter. Um, When I got in my zone, I was good. But oftentimes, just say, for example, when I really needed to concentrate on something, my office happened to be positioned right where the common area where everyone gathered, right, for those water cooler moments. And it would be so distracting to me. And I would just, um, I would just close my door, right? It wasn't a you know, me slamming, having a fig, I would just close my door so I could concentrate and I would put my phone on do not disturb. And I remember being reprimanded by my boss because she told me I was being rude. And I said, I'm not being rude. I'm just trying to do my job. And (laughs) um, I, I just, I couldn't. And that was one of the first times I started to really recognize that when I'm in the zone, I really need to think and concentrate on something. I can't have a lot of noise around me. Um, and so that was one of the first things that I noticed. Um, and then also too, just, I don't know if this was entrepreneurial or attention deficit, but finding myself trying to make things even more efficient, um, Mm. to work better. Right. Um, list became my friend. So if I needed something to do, like even to this day, like my notes on my iPhone are full of things to do that ultimately ends up in an assignment project. So, <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. So I just I found myself doing those things, but also almost like I was in school. I found myself feeling like I was working ten times harder to excel, and I think it was because I was being forced. I was working in an environment that assumed I had a linear brain, mm-hmm. and there was no flexibility for that. 
And so, um, so yeah, those are some of the things that as an adult before the diagnosis that I noticed, um, but I couldn't figure out why I had to do things a little bit differently um, than my colleagues to come out with the same result. Right. Yeah. And I think that is something that the diagnosis affords us that clarity. I don't know why that clarity is so important to us to be able to go back and look and say, Oh, this is why, but it is, it is so important. Like if that is the part that feels life-changing, the part it's like the fog is lifted, you know, looking at the, looking at these things through new prescription lenses Absolutely. <laughs> and, and and what is it about that clarity that is so important to us? If it's just, is it just the fact that we've lived our whole lives feeling like we're just getting by and, and just kind of trying to hold everything together and not really understanding why it's falling apart all the time? I think for me, it gave me a sense of belonging, especially once I discovered other women who were going through the same thing. Like, I'm in a couple of, well, we met in one, but I'm in a couple of Facebook groups now for women who have attention deficit. And I can remember scrolling through the comments um, and just seeing women talking about things like, um, I'm celebrating because I put something in the microwave and I didn't forget about it. Um, Or (laughs) (laughs) I didn't forget to switch my laundry um, and my clothes didn't go sour. I mean, just things like that. And I'm like, oh my God, I found my people. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I can't cook without a timer. Um, it, if I do, I can't cook without a timer and I can't have anyone in the kitchen with me. Because if I get distracted, the food is burnt. You can hang it. <laughs> um, I struggle. I struggle with anything that requires boiling water because I will turn it on to boil and then I walk away and then I forget it's been boiling. (laughs) So I have to set timers for like two minutes just to go back and check on the um, boiling water to see if it's boiled yet so that I can then move on to the next step. There's been so many times where my husband will walk into the kitchen and be like, what, you know, it's the water has boiled and completely evaporated and there's just the empty pot (laughs) now on the burner. So I definitely understand where you're coming from and uh, yeah, there is like, it's just such an overwhelming feeling of being seen. And it is mm. really so exciting when we do enter that community and sort of feel like, oh my God, I found my people. I'm just curious, like, why is it, is that, why is that so important to adult women with ADHD? If, if it's because we've spent our whole lives feeling like we, yeah, we, we were, didn't quite belong. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I had, you know, I had people who were friends um, and but they still didn't walk the same path that I did. So there was still that sense of, yes, you got some sense of acceptance from people who were friends. But at the same time, you still felt a little bit lonely because there were things you were feeling that you didn't know that you could share without being looked at crazy. Um, (laughs) so, so yeah. Um, so yeah, just having that comfort of knowing, especially, you know, finding for me, finding a group where there were other women who were attention deficit, but now this group that we're in where there is specifically, you know, women who are entrepreneurs who are attention deficit, that's like the Holy grail for me because we can relate on things, um, 
in regard to our personal life and our work as well. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. It's been such a great overlap because I now realize why I couldn't hold a job for longer than two years, which I always thought it was because I was the problem and I would have outbursts or I just got bored. And Mm -hmm. now I can look back and think, no, I mean, I need to pivot all the time. And two years is, is a long time to be doing the same thing over and over again. Well, girl, I, I tortured myself then because out of the 10 years I was corporate, I had, I want to say four jobs. And one I was at for the longest, like seven years. And I was miserable. I mm, was totally yeah. miserable, especially having a boss who was kind of a bully. Is this the same one who told you you were being antisocial for trying yes. to get work done? <laughs> yes. And it was so funny because it would make me so anxious to interact with her. But at the end of the day, I was always ranked like highest in my department for evaluation. She couldn't deny the fact that I did my job well. Um, just socially, we just couldn't connect. And Uh, um, yeah, so, but yeah, like I said, it just, it, it taught me a lesson that as I built my business and, um, build a team that I'll never want to treat anyone on my team that way. Um, and just to see things from different perspectives. Like I think having this diagnosis of attention deficit has really made me aware of having compassion for other people walking a different path. That's a great point. I think that is really important and probably why so many of us are not only entrepreneurs, but also work with clients in a sort of mentoring coaching capacity, Mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, we understand what it feels like to to need help and to feel overwhelmed and not even <laughs> to know what you need help with. Yeah. Uh, so, and and to, again, like you said, I think that's such a great point. Like I, I think we, I have read someplace or heard someplace that we tend to be more empathetic. Um, but again, you know, just really feeling like, man, I've been in your shoes. I, I know what it's like. And any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their Go Henry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash womenADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash womenADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. So now tell me about your project, uh, your digital project manager, with um, your business is called Allen Digital Group, correct? Mm-hmm. And how, when did this get started? So to start this, I got to take you back to 2013. That was a problem, maybe 2012-ish. And at the time, I was still working in corporate HR. And um, I had a friend of mine who was pursuing a doctorate degree. Actually, it was a colleague. We worked together directly every day. And she was pursuing a doctorate degree. She had just moved back to the area and it was like a cohort. So she would go and study full time on the weekends, like Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And she would come back and work. And obviously she had no life between the two. Um, 
And she asked me one day what I wanted to do. And I said, um, she said, are you going to climb the corporate ladder in HR? And immediately I knew that's not what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure what else to do. But as I described to her what I wanted to do, what I envisioned to do, there were aspects of HR where I know now what I was doing was coaching either managers, leaders, leaders of the organization or employees that worked for them. And that part of the aspect I loved. The other part was that I was always the go-to person when it came to tech stuff. So all the software that we were using, you know, I was responsible for training everyone, system updates, working with the software company on changes, that kind of stuff. So those two things felt very comfortable for me. And um, that led to when she told me, when I told her, you know, some of the things I wanted to do, kind of combine the coaching um, with other technical skills I had. And she said, girl, you could be a coach. I had no idea what coaching was. Um, and when I discovered, started digging into it, I actually found uh, an author I had been following who I didn't know also was a coach. Um, and so fell into that, just kind of delve into the world of coaching, learning what it is and how to learn the skill and how people run coaching businesses. And I went through her coaching program in 2013. Um and that lasted for about six months. So I'm still working in corporate. And um, that eventually led me to learn how to start marketing my business, um, my coaching business, while I was working in HR. Um, and while I was doing that, I kind of fell in love with the, the digital marketing piece. And from there, I pivoted and started offering like tech, techie virtual assistant services and then that eventually caused me to niche down to Facebook ads management. Um, and then from there, I slid into the project management because I was kind of already doing it in the Facebook ad space. Mm-hmm. And so that's what caused me to really delve down into project management. Um, in 2015, I left corporate full time. I left uh, corporate to pursue my business full time. And so this year, out of everything that's happened, is really put a light under my uh, fire under my butt to really kind of step things up and grow the business bigger. And um, so my husband has come on and is learning the business with me. And, um, and I just hired my first team member. So ultimately, we help um, business owners um, manage the intricate planning around um, online launches. So courses, group coaching, membership programs, there are a ton of steps that need to be done on the background, no matter how simple or complex those funnels are. And so we help people particularly manage their teams, right? Um, Help them with the tech side because the back end is often always a challenge. Uh, Some business owners don't want to touch the tech and some business owners can do it, but it's just not a good use of their time. They really need to be focused on the things only they can do. Um, and so that's what we help our clients with. I love when you were describing some of your background, especially when it came to learning about Facebook ads in the beginning, it just had ADHD written all over it. It was just like, it was like you just one series after series of hyper-focus, uh, where you accidentally become an expert in something (laughs) and then everybody starts asking you how to do it because you know what you're doing. And it was just sort of like, Oh, I find this interesting. Now I'm an expert. It was literally insane. Last thing I thought I would ever be doing 
Um, but it just, it did. It made sense to me. It still makes sense to me. And so I learned that I took it for granted that it didn't make sense to other people. And for many reasons, I completely understand why it wouldn't. But I've just learned to play to my strengths. No, that's great. And I think, you know, I think we tend to do well when there are a lot of moving parts. And so, yeah, absolutely. Lean into that strength because creating online courses is so overwhelming. There are so many moving parts. And, but I also think it's one of those things where people tend to think, well, how hard can it be? Yes. (laughs) So your husband just joined this year. Yes. So we are, we, I never, I I don't think I told you we are, or you may have seen, we are North of Houston, Texas. And so um, we just moved here a year ago back here for him um, because this is home for him. And I'm originally from Hamming, Indiana, which is a suburb of Chicago, Illinois. And since I didn't want to freeze my butt off um, (laughs) during the winter, I was cool with moving here. And um, he is, he was looking for really a second career after the Navy because we're just in our 40s. So um, he's still young enough to to keep working. But the funny thing is... And he was a diver for the Navy too. Yes. Like, that's a, really cool. Was, yeah, he was a diver. And it's so funny because we clash all the time when it comes to stuff because of my attention deficit. I'm a super, super, super ridiculous planner. And um, for him, he is so spontaneous because, you know, he's been able to do this crazy stuff in the Navy. Um, that I would never dream of doing. So we compliment each other that way, but we also kind of drive each other crazy too. Um, <laughs> but the funny thing is, when I would talk to him about the business, especially about Facebook ads and online launches, it made sense to him, even though he had no idea what that world looked like. And so we kept going back and forth and, you know, he was debating, you know, to do I, you know, go and pursue a career because there were some companies that wanted him to come work for him for them, but he didn't want to continue to dive anymore because truth be told, it's really hard on your body. Um, And so he's like, I'm not getting any younger. (laughs) So, um, so he's come on into the business and um, we're working on that goal now um, to just continue to grow the business. But it just made sense. Like I said, he understands it um, and he's delving into it and really helping me out. <laughs> and um, like I said, we just hire a assistant because one of the things I learned that um, Instagram is I have a love-hate relationship with. <laughs> um, even though it works, I just, all the moving pieces with it, particularly when it comes to like, aside from photos, any type of graphics, I just learned it just drains the energy out of me trying to put that stuff together. So I've learned to really concentrate on outsourcing those things that um, that don't interest me because you know how that is with someone with attention deficit. It's like pulling teeth to try to get them to do something if they're not interested in it. Um, and so that's been a huge help. So, so yes, it's, it's coming together. I'm really happy with, with the way things are going. I would love to have 12 virtual assistants. I struggle so much with... with um, social media because I have such a hot, cold relationship with it. And I feel like I will post feverishly for like one week and then I won't get the feedback that I require for my dopamine hit. And then I just abandon it altogether. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You know what I have, I have learned to basically treat myself, the things that I do in the business, like a client project. Like I literally have an assignment project for my schedule every day when it comes to the business. 
Um, and then me and my husband, we he says, we've decided that he's probably attention deficit too, but undiagnosed. Um, and so when it comes to things that we need to do personally, we actually use an app and actually have deadlines for things that we're a list of things we need to do. And that's our way to keep track of it because if not, we'll talk about it all day long and not doing, what's the name of this app? It's called Pocket List. And so we share it between our iPhones and mm-hmm. um, we have a shared account. And so I can create something and set a deadline to it. And so we go in each day on things that we need to check on or, you know, things that are coming up like one-off things, but also regular things. Like for me, literally ordering groceries, um, checking our bank account every day, keep track on that, you know, doing laundry. Like literally I have all this stuff in this checklist. <laughs> I'll have to look that up. I need, I, I just use remind the reminders app on mm-hmm. my phone, mm-hmm. but I have reminders all day long for everything. And my poor husband, we don't work together, but he, we share an Apple ID between our two phones. And so he also gets the reminders. <laughs> popping up on his phone all day long and he cannot figure it out. So how to turn it off for him, but to keep it on for me. So, uh, but so I'll check out pocket list. Maybe there's a way I can have this same function without my poor husband having to get the reminders all the time too. That's funny. Yeah. I think pocket list will, um, will be some help to you. So I will, I will love to hear how, how it goes for you. Um, so that, so you sort of answered my question. I was going to ask if you, if you thought your husband had ADHD. So we are pretty convinced because just like I learned from my daughter, he's kind of learning from me because for a while, like, we were really struggled to communicate. And as I learned more about myself and attention deficit and shared it with him, especially after I found these groups um, and was sharing with him some of the things women, other women were doing, too. He was like, oh, my God, babe. <laughs> he, could, he could see the correlation. And he was like, yeah, that is that is definitely you. So like I said, we've learned to, this journey has actually helped us communicate better as well because now we're both understanding how to better communicate with each other. Yeah, I agree. I feel like even though my husband rolls his eyes because it's all I talk about is, oh my God, another thing that I noticed is ADHD. And he's so tired of hearing about it. <laughs> um but I do feel like it has improved our relationship immensely just because of a, a certain level of awareness that I now apply to why I do what I do, as opposed to always feeling like I'm a bad spouse. You know, mm. That was kind of my default. And so I'm sure, I'm, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely improved our communication and I'm bringing a lot less like guilt and shame to the relationship. And I, I'm sure he loves that because I felt like we were always in this uh, pattern of me understanding why I chose him, but never understanding why he chose me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it drove him crazy. He was tired of me always having such low self-esteem. And and so I think this, it's really improved our relationship yeah. and our communication for sure. I'm curious if, if that's a common experience because, you know, I know we struggle, we struggle with relationships just you know, historically, yes. especially relationships with other women and our friendships. And, you know, often, I don't know about you, but I've just felt like my whole life, I was a bad friend because I don't check up on people enough and I zone out and I can't remember names and, you know, like just always feeling like I'm such a bad friend. I've absolutely, I felt like that in regard to friendships. I felt like that in regard to motherhood. 
Um, oh, yes. oh, I beat myself up so bad. Now, if anything, that was something that my husband was really tired of hearing. He was like, babe, you are not a bad mom. And when I will watch this, here, here goes the comparison syndrome. <laughs> um, when I will watch how other mothers seem to handle motherhood just seamlessly, and I was struggling, not just with my child who had attention, who has attention deficit, but also with the one who didn't. And that's because I had attention deficit too, and it was impacting my relationships. And so now, like like you said, now I have so much more grace for myself um, because I understand what it is. And more importantly, I, under, I understand how to better handle it. But yeah, I get it. And I don't know if this has ever impacted you in business, but one of the big pieces of building and growing a business is relationship building. And for me, I felt like because I was trying to figure out how to manage symptoms of something I didn't even realize I had, oftentimes I had my head down. So while people were talking about how they were getting clients in Facebook groups and that kind of stuff, that never worked for me because it's just a lot. It's just, that's one thing that even to this day, that is just not something that is, um, that works for me is constantly being in Facebook groups. You may see me post every now and again or comment on something, but that's the space I just can't stay in all day long because for me, it's just a lot to keep up with. Uh, Yeah, exactly. That's, I think I have a very similar hot and cold relationship where I get very overwhelmed and, um, I get sucked in and then I'll, you know. I, I really need to just like shut everything off, turn my phone off uh, because everything else, you know, there's so many bright, shiny objects and so many reasons and alerts and notifications and all of that. Uh, that is so distracting. I don't know if you experience this also, but especially after my diagnosis and especially being after being in the online space for so long, I've taken so many different courses and group coaching programs, particularly courses that have Facebook groups, right? So it's very common someone has a course, they normally have a a free Facebook group that comes with that. And um, I will hear people say this and it will make me cringe when I will hear the hosts of those groups say, um, be a good student and being here regularly supporting other people. And while you want to do that, I thought to myself, that's speaking, that's assuming everyone is, is really able to do that. Um, You know, me being you can find one person where you're just like, my God, do they live in the group? Like they're posting like every 30 minutes. (laughs) I'm just struggling to post one time. And it wasn't because I didn't want to be there to help other people. It just, like you said, it just felt really overwhelming. And that's one of the things I really want to help change in the online world is to create content and courses that are really conducive to both types of brains, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you create a course... And some, and there are statistics that talk about like up to 60% of entrepreneurs could be attention deficit. That <laughs> if you're creating course content, the last thing you want to do is create a 30 plus minute long video um, for someone who's attention deficit. They'll never get through it. Bite-sized videos oh, absolutely. Would, would be much, much better, um, much better than that. So I just think about things like that and how, you know, I really think there's a lot of room for us to do better um, in the industry as far as how we serve people to make sure it's um, effective for everyone. Yeah, I think I think making those connections and is something that we tend to be very good at. 
and, and seeing like, what appeals to me? What am I going to respond to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I remember I had a really hard time with blogging because I had so much to say and I never could sit down and actually type out all the things I wanted to say. So then I, I switched to videos because I thought oh, it was much better for me to just sit in front of a camera and talk. But then I realized my videos were like 20 minutes long and I thought I would never watch these videos. <laughs> I, you know, I would, I will, it, it's amazing if you can get me to sit and watch a three minute video. And so I said to, I was like, I will never make a video longer than three minutes. And I will even tell you before you even watch the video, how long it is. So you can make the decision if you want to invest the time or not. That is funny. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, being able to say like, what, what am I able to do? If I'm like, I, I sort of treat myself like the lowest common denominator when it comes to attention. <laughs> And that's one thing I love about the entrepreneurs group is that Jesse will say, like, always keep a TLDR. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. For anyone listening, that a TLDR is too long, didn't read, which I think is really basically the default state for anyone with attention <laughs> deficit. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's such a, I, I think your business is, so important and so helpful. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you are doing well and, and expanding in, in a year when we don't hear a lot about expansion, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially with small businesses. How, how do you like living in Houston? You know what? People, I, I get that question often and I really can't say because we've been here most of the time in pandemic. So mm, yeah. it's really limited what we were thinking we were going to be able to do, like go to because, you know, Houston has baseball, football, pro basketball. We were thinking we were going to be going to games and all this stuff that is so not happening right now. So <laughs> um, I really from what I've experienced so far, like there's great food here um, and I actually go to a co-work space like by the time August rolled around, I was like, I can't take this anymore. I have to get out of here. And so I go to a co-work space in downtown Houston and um, we definitely social distance. They, you know, pre-screen everybody before we're able to enter the building. Um, and um, that works for me because some it's something about being in the room with other humans, even if we're not talking to each other, that makes me super productive. Um, but also the change of scenery of from working at home and living at home to being in a different environment kind of refreshes my brain. Um, it refreshes yes. creativity. So, um, so that part I've enjoyed. So it's just making me really, um, it's making me really look forward to post pandemic so that I can really fully experience Houston and, and see what everybody's raving about. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, most people in Texas love where they live in Texas and my husband is definitely one of those people. So, well, that's wonderful. That sounds great. And your daughters are thriving. They are doing well. They are doing well. I'm just so, um, I'm proud of both of them. Um, my youngest daughter, I'm particularly proud of her because she's really finding her space. I feel like she's light years ahead of where I was at 16 um, because she got her diagnosis earlier in life and we're having a, a better understanding of how to manage that. I feel like she has such an advantage um, and she's really learning to accept her differences. And that doesn't mean that she's less than. So I'm really, really excited to see oh, that happen for her. I love, I love that. If we could instill that in the next generation, um, oh, that's such so great to hear. My 13 year old knows far more about technology than I do now, and so I ask her for help with everything if I can't figure it out on my phone, and she rolls her eyes. And so she's, sort of, she, you know, she's she's got into this mode of just like 
everything I do is stupid and she's <laughs> so much harder than I am. And I'm, I know my mother is looking down laughing at this karmic, <laughs> this karmic retribution. Wait, did your, did your, has your daughter told you you're old because you're on Facebook? Oh God. Well, no, she was making fun of me because I, I, you know, I had avoided TikTok for so long and, but I had heard when, when I was doing my deep dive into ADHD, I had heard there was like a really great informative, um, community on TikTok. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. I'm going to be in trouble with these one minute videos. I'm going to be scrolling for hours. I don't know. And, but which I am, and I totally do that. And I really need to get it off my phone, but it's been really great to watch the ADHD videos. And in that form, you know, these like one minute snippets, it's been perfect, but she just thinks you're going to make me go over there. And I have not gotten on TikTok. (laughs) I have not gotten on TikTok. Oh, because people keep saying, obviously people are using it for their business too. And I'm like, I just can't do another platform right now because I'm really, we're on Facebook, but I'm focusing on, on just getting my thing down with Instagram. We just hopped over there here recently and I'm focusing on that. And then I can, I have to take it one step at a time when it's come to these platforms, which is so funny because I've never thought I would get to the point in my life where I would feel like this. I know. Well, and the other thing I have a tendency to do, and I think this might be ADHD related, which is I will compare myself to an expert immediately when I've just started something. And then I get down at myself because I've been doing this for one day and I don't have a hundred thousand followers yet. You know? <laughs> do, you, do you find yourself doing that in other parts of your life too? Oh, all the time. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think, you know, I listen, my, my son who just started, uh, trombone this year and he's so good at it and he loves it. And I'm nice. so proud of him because I have that tendency. You know, I think we actually, both my kids have this tendency. If you're not immediately good at something, you just say, forget it. So yeah, absolutely. But to, with my business, especially even with this podcast, I mean, you know, I launched this podcast you know, this week, even though when people are listening to this interview, it'll have been out for a couple months, but like, mm-hmm. you know, I launched it and within three days, you know, because I didn't immediately have, you know, the whole world wasn't responding and, you know, it wasn't like I suddenly had a hundred thousand followers. I was like, oh, this was a terrible idea. Nobody's going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> like, There's no middle ground. You know, so I can I can totally relate. I did this to myself. One of the things that I there are things that I love to do, but one of the things I really hate to do is I really hate to work out. But as I get older and my hormones aren't the same as they were when I was 25, I realize I have to. And so when we were living in Florida, that was the last duty station before we moved here. I joined a women's boot camp. And so I would get up and go to the early six o'clock class the first day. I go, I'm talking about like CrossFit style workouts. I go in there trying to hang with women who had been in there for at least six months to a year or longer. <laughs> yep. Like I walked out feeling like I was going to pass out. And I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? Just take, I just had to learn to get in my zone and look at me and not watch other people because I did, I will fall into the same trap. So I can totally relate. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've injured myself on many a workout machine because I was like, oh, I could, I could do more than this. All right. So tell me where people can find you and if uh, listeners want to work with you, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah. So we are over on, um, our website is allendigitalgroup.com. And um, we're on Facebook, but we're really engaging more on Instagram. And you can find us both at um, the handle at Allen Digital. 
Um, and we are accepting clients for quarter one of 2021. So if you're launching, we'd love to chat with you about your launch. And when you mean launching, is that uh, launching specific courses or launching just a business in general, or you do all of it? No, we specifically um, help people with their online course launches, group coaching launches, or their membership programs. So the business does need to be established. You need to be clear on who you serve. Um, and we help them launch their, their online programs. Sounds like fun. It is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I'm really, really enjoying it because it's just so fascinating, especially with the one of the gifts I keep talking about that 2020 has actually given me, um, has given us, is I've seen more clients come on who have traditional businesses. I'm talking about lawyers, therapists, massage therapists. It's not just online entrepreneurs anymore. Um, more of those clients who have offline businesses but are wanting to add a um, an online component of their business is being really, it's really increased. And it was actually doing that even before COVID. So it's been very encouraging. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because we're all stuck at home. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, that's how you guys can find us. That's great. I didn't even think, I didn't even think about that. There you go, making all these connections. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely the time to start moving your business online if you haven't. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Well, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you and talking to you a little more. And All right. Same here, Katie. Thanks so much for having me on. And thank you for launching this podcast. We need more of this so we can feel like we have that community with other women and not feel alone and feel like we found our peeps. Oh, thank you. I am loving the heck out of this. And I am so, I just enjoy these conversations so much. And I am, I learned so much about myself and this superpower through these conversations. So I'm grateful to be able to do this. There you have it. So thank you so much for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the women and ADHD podcast. If you like this podcast, I would really appreciate some feedback. So please leave me a review or simply head on over to Apple Podcasts and give me five stars. Also, please subscribe and make sure to share it to help us reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower. And they may be struggling and they don't even know why. If you are a woman who was recently diagnosed with ADHD and would like to be interviewed as a guest, I would love to interview you, so please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find out all the show notes from this episode at womenandadhd.com slash episodes. And you can follow this podcast on Instagram at womenandadhd. You can also find out more about me and my anti-diet health coaching program at worthitwithkatykaty.com. Make sure to sign up for your free copy of my Thank You Body Technique. This simple primer teaches you how to reset your mood and improve your relationship with your body quickly and easily through breathing, yoga, and even aromatherapy. Okay, I will see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then. Bye.